Welcome to the Hope City Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Uh, before we, um, can you guys turn the camera down, clock on for me just so I have an idea? I don't like to do the math of the clock in my head while I'm preaching. It's too much mathing while I'm trying to listen to the Spirit of God. Um... I can preach, I can talk, and I can listen to the Spirit of God, but I don't want to have to preach and talk and listen to the Spirit of God and do math in my head at the same time, okay? I can do two things, but three things is crossing the threshold. Um, This morning during prayer, uh, Stephen Kelly led prayer this morning for us. Uh, Pastors Blake and Adrian are away on the island, and so Stephen Kelly led prayer, and it was great. And I encourage you, if you... um, are not here for pre-service prayer, I encourage you to come and be a part of pre-service prayer. Uh, We are believing God for the people that show up that day at church. We're believing God for people who are serving in church that morning. We're believing God for the city. And so we come together. The Bible says we're two or three gathered in my name, that there I am in the midst. And he says, if you ask anything in my name according to my will, it shall be done. So when we gather We're praying corporately and believing God. So come and join us for prayer. But during prayer this morning, I just felt like um, the Spirit of God uh, reminded me of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And they don't have this for the screen. I'm just going to read this to you. And I feel like this is for somebody here this morning. I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. And it says this. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he's become an entirely new person. And all that is related to the old order has vanished Behold, everything is fresh and new. And, um, you know, this is a scripture that you've probably heard a thousand times, but I feel like God is saying for somebody here today that it's a new day. When I was standing over there by that wall, by that pillar, the Lord said, it's a new day. It's a new day. And then he reminded me of this scripture. And I love how the Passion Translation says, if anyone is enfolded into Christ. And actually, it brings to my mind the picture that Mike had during prayer. Mike had a, had a picture that the Lord showed him during prayer this morning about um, bread rising. And so he was sharing that. But when Mike was talking about it, he was talking about how his mom used to make bread. And when you make bread, you fold it together. You take the dough and you knead it and you fold it. And this verse here talks about enfolding. When you are enfolded into Christ, when you're not on your own, but when you are folded into Christ, when your life is kneaded together into Christ's lives, kneaded as in K-N-E-A-D-E-D, not kneaded in double E-D-E-D. When it's kneaded together into Christ, you become one. And when you step into that, you are now a new creation. So for somebody here, God is saying to you, it's a new day. It doesn't matter what happened on the way to church this morning. It doesn't matter what happened last night. It doesn't matter what happened last week. When you are folding your life into Christ, it's a new day for you. So I don't know who that's for, but God wants to remind somebody somebody here in this room that it's a new day and that God is wanting to work in your life, that God is wanting to do something new. Let go of the past. Let go. The Bible talks about letting go of those weights and those sins that hold us back. Let go of those things and move forward into Christ because he's got great things for you. He's got plans for you. He's got a future for you. There's things that he has, and it's a new day. And step into the newness that God has for you. Amen? Amen. That was for free. That was for free. Open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is where we're going to start at this morning. And 
when you get there and when I get there, I'm going to take just a moment and pray and uh, put our attention on the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Are you there? All right, let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. God, we thank you for what you've spoken to us. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We thank you for what you're doing in our house. God, I just pray right now that as we spend this time in your word together, that you are opening hearts and lives, that you are opening eyes and ears to receive your truth, that we leave this place transformed and changed, that we don't leave the same way we came in. God, I just thank you by your spirit that you are doing things that only you can do, that you're breaking down walls and you're breaking off chains and you are setting people free by your spirit and by your presence. Jesus, we love you so much and we are so thankful for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all said amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is where we're going to start. And um, Pastor Jenny spoke back in July about being thankful, but I'm going to speak as well today about being thankful. And here's why. Because there's some things that you need to be consistently reminded of because life is hard. Right? Is, is life hard? Can life be hard? Okay, this section right here, they agree. That back half and over this way, you're like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. My life is a dream. I eat cupcakes for breakfast. I do whatever I want. Sometimes life can be hard. And um, we're going to talk about being thankful because being, a th- being thankful is a key to overcoming in life. Being thankful is a key to having victory in just about every area of your life. And so we're going to look at this together. We're going to start here in 2 Corinthians and give me some time to make my way here. But we're going to start in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 with a verse that doesn't talk about anything about being thankful. But give me some time. We'll get there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to look at verse 12. And we're going to read this from the New Living. And then we're going to look at it in the New King James as well. And the Apostle Paul is speaking. And in verse 12, he says this. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. I feel like the Apostle Paul is being a little bit sarcastic here. He says, but they're only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant, Paul says. And the New King James says it this way. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, that's a lot of themselves, isn't it? (laughs) Are not wise. What the Apostle Paul is saying is he's talking about a group of people who are measuring themselves and comparing themselves against everybody else. And he says, when you do that, it's not wise. And here's what I want to start at. I want to start with the thought that we live in the day and the age of comparison. If you spend any time on social media at all, let's, let's take a poll here. Who here has social media of some kind? Hands in the air. 
Put them high so everybody can see. Okay, okay. Now, who here has no social media? Four people in this room, yes. And good for you. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. I mean it. But here's the thing. With social media, with the rise of social media, what has grown is comparison. And comparison can be okay. It can be okay to compare yourself. But generally what happens when you're looking at social media, you begin to compare yourself and you begin to look at how great everybody else's life is, how great their wife is, how great their husband is, how great their home is, how great their job is, how great their vacations are. Look how amazing their car is. Look at their kids. Their kids are perfect. My kids are crazy animals, not my kids. Other people's kids are crazy animals. And you look at them, and you're like, look at, they all got, there was a period of life in our, in our life when it would come time to take family photos. Who's taken family photos before? Oh, the joys of family photos. We used to take, well, we still do. Jen is like crazy about photography, and we take photos at the drop of a hat. But we used to take family photos, and I don't know what it was. It came time for family photos, and instantly Josiah would start crying. This was last year. It's not true. It was two years ago. <laughs> he would start crying, and you could not get a picture with the kid. It was terrible. And so you take family photos, and you say, well, look at, look at those kids in that picture. They're all smiling. What's wrong with my kids? What's wrong with my family? What's wrong with my house? We live in the day and the age of comparison. And here's the problem with that. Comparison is a killer. Comparison's a killer. Let me tell on myself. Let me, I won't tell on you. I'll tell on myself. I'm preaching about being thankful today. Last night, long day, busy day. At the end of the day, I sit down, and I look, I, I look at Instagram for five minutes. I don't, if you know me, you know that I don't post on social media a lot. I really don't enjoy social media. This is an ongoing conversation Jen and myself have. And so my amount of time on social media is like, minutes, only minutes a day. And so one of my friends posted about his friend at this other church. And I was like, oh, I know this guy. Let me see what his church is doing. And so I start scrolling through and looking at his church. And instantly inside of me, you start, well, his church is like massive. And he just started it like three years ago. And why isn't our church like massive? And, and why, well, like, look at all the stuff that's taking place. And He's saying they're holding a check that they donated to orphanages for $303,000. I'm like, that's amazing. Well, why can't we do that? And you begin the comparison game. Now, I know that I'm worse than all of you, and none of you have ever had these thoughts. You never compared yourself against anybody else. But comparison is a, is a killer. And the Apostle Paul says, when you compare yourself amongst yourself, and when you compare yourself against other people like you, the first thing he says is that it's unwise. Why is it unwise? Because first of all, you're not supposed to use each other as your standard of measurement. You're supposed to use the Lord as your standard of measurement. You're supposed to use your word, the word of God as your standard of measurement. This is our standard that we measure life by. I don't look at Jacob's life and say, well, if Jacob's doing it, then I must do it too. Two Jacobs make a right. 
Now, the Word of God is our standard of, of measurement. And so when I look at Marco's life and I begin to compare myself against Marco, well, Marco, is, he's so happy, and look at him, he's in school, he's doing this and that, he just looks so great, and his hair's amazing, and I have zero hair, and I don't understand why, and I begin to compare myself, the Bible says that I'm unwise. And here's the process that starts. As you begin to, to delve into comparing yourself against other people, there's a process that begins in your life. And the first thing that happens is comparison kills your joy. You immediately begin to look at other people's lives and immediately you become dissatisfied with what you have. And it kills the joy that you had just moments ago for what was in your life. And suddenly when you see somebody that has something better, you're like, well, my life is terrible. My car is terrible. It's two years old and it's terrible. I need a brand new car. I need new clothes. I need new hair. Comparison begins to kill the joy that you have or the things that the Lord has brought into your life. And the next step in that cycle is, as you begin to have your joy killed for the things you have in your life, you become unthankful. And you're like, well, what's the problem with being unthankful? And the answer is, a lot. There's a big problem with being unthankful. See, we live in a day and an age where if you really thought about it, if you stopped and think about it, and if you analyze your conversation, if you were here back in July, you'll remember Jen, Pastor Jen spoke this message talking about how there was a study done where complaining and talking bad about things caused brain damage. Were you here for this conversation? Say no to brain damage. So we've had lots of conversations where I'll be like, oh, I can't have this conversation. It's giving me brain damage. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's a great out. Sorry, we can't talk about this. You're giving me brain damage right now. <laughs> so listen, if you're talking to somebody and they're complaining, you can just stop them right there and say, I'm sorry. I value my brain. No damage here. So you're going to have to stop talking about this. We can talk about whatever else you want, but we're not... Um, we're not going to complain because no brain damage. So comparison kills. And when you begin to compare yourself against yourselves and other people and their things, it causes the joy that you have to die. And as that joy dies inside of you, you become more and more unthankful for the things that you have in your life. Nothing measures up. And so you're unjoyful, you're ungrateful, and you're unthankful about it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about in this place? Can anybody identify with what I'm talking about? There was a study that I was reading about being grateful. And they said the problem is this, is that in life, most people are so easily able to identify the barriers and the fences in their life because they're right in your face. There's things that stop you and stop you from being able to move forward. And so you can identify those things. And since you can easily identify them, what happens is you focus on them. 
And they said, what the problem is, is that most people aren't able to easily identify the things that come along behind them and propel them forward because they're behind them, they're pushing them forward, and they're not really focusing on them. What they're really focusing on is the things that are the barriers and the obstacle in front of them. And what you focus on, you magnify. What you magnify, you begin to glorify and worship. And when you begin to glorify and you begin to worship obstacles and hindrances and other things in your life that you're unthankful for, they begin to take up your mind and your life and you become ungrateful, you become unthankful, and you lose the joy for your own life. It is a word. I told the Lord that if he reminded me this, I would say this as well. And he just reminded me of it, so that means I have to say this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, in the NIV, Jaden, I think we have that, don't we? It says this. Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy. Paul talked a lot in the New Testament. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for it. He says, but godliness actually is a source of great gain. He's talking about other people. He says, godliness is actually a source of great gain when accompanied by contentment. Sorry, this is the Amplified. That contentment, which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. In the New King James, this simply says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And the Lord kept saying to me as I was thinking about this this week, was that there are people here in this room that need to be reminded that godliness with contentment is a great gain. And the problem is, many of us aren't content with what God has given us. And so we begin to look around at what everybody else has and say, well, they have it, so I need it too. But the Lord is wanting to say to some of us that godliness with contentment is great gain. And that word contentment, it means that you're satisfied in your mind. You're content in your mind. Why does that matter? Because most of the wars and the battles that you fight are fought in your mind, in your thoughts. When you look on social media and the enemy begins to whisper in your ear how you don't have all those things, how your life doesn't measure up to everybody else's life, and you should go buy more stuff. You should go find a new spouse. You should go find a new job. You should go do this, that, or the other, because all the stuff that you have doesn't measure up to John Smith down the street. Am I alone in this room? So the Lord says, godliness with contentment is gain. In your mind, you are content and you are satisfied with what God has given you. So when you're comparing yourselves, you lose your joy, you become unthankful. Now let's go to Romans chapter 1. Let's look and see what happens when you become unthankful. I'm showing you this, this cycle of what happens in your life. When you begin to compare yourself to other people, when you begin to allow the enemy to speak to you and say your life doesn't measure up, what you're dealing with is, is not as good as what everybody else has. You're lacking, you're incomplete, you're missing out. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul is talking here, and it says this, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. Say, give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, 
you got to ask yourself now the question, as a result of what? When you read the Word of God, here's a pro tip. Here's a pro tip. When you read the Bible, don't just blow through the verses and read them as fast as you can. Stop and let the Spirit of God speak to you. And so Paul is talking here, and he says, as a result, the immediate question is, as a result of what? The answer is, is what he just mentioned. As a result of the fact that they knew who God was, but number one, they wouldn't glorify him as God, and number two, they wouldn't give thanks to him. It says, goes on and it says, their minds became dark and confused. So when you compare yourself to other people, comparison comes and steals your joy, steals your zeal, steals your zest for life. And as you lose your joy and as you lose your desire for, for the things that you have around you, you become unthankful for it. And when you become unthankful and don't give thanks for the things you have in your life, we see here that unthankfulness causes to, leads us to a dark and confused mind. I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but I don't want to have a dark and confused mind. I know that my neighbors don't need a Jake McGrew that has a dark and confused mind. I know that the people that I see in the grocery store don't need a Jake McGrew that doesn't know the truth. I know that the people that know you need you to have a mind full of wisdom, to have a mind full of understanding, to have a mind full of who God is. We talked a little bit about this last week so that when you find yourself having conversations with those people, you're able to express clearly to them who God is and what he's done for you. Listen, Often, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. Lots of times I'll stand up and I'll say, let's give thanks to God. Let's thank God. Let's thank God. Come on, everybody, let's stand up. Let's thank God. We do, I'll do this, and like, lots of times I'll take over from worship and be like, hey, let's just take a minute. And let's give God thanks. And a lot of times the room goes oddly quiet. Ooh. I don't know what to thank God for. And there's the problem. That's the problem. Because we spend so much time looking around at everybody else that we're not sure what to thank God for in our life. There was a study done earlier this year on the east coast of the United States at some university. I forget which one it was. Some brainy school. I would hope that all schools are brainy schools, but this one was really a brainy school. And they took a bunch of people, they took 300 adults, and they put them aside, and, and these are people that were going uh, for counseling. They needed counseling, they were depressed, they were dealing with things in their life, they needed help. And so they took these people, they had a control group, and they took groups of people from this larger group of 300, and they said, okay, you four, what I'm going to have you do is every day for the next three weeks, I want you to write down three things you're thankful for. And they did that for three weeks. This whole study lasted 15 weeks in total. Now, they said that the people that they took and said, okay, you four, I want you to write down three things. That you're, three things. Write down three things. Has anybody ever done this before? It's actually 
sometimes can be a little harder than you think it is. They said, write down three things you're thankful for. At the end of these three weeks, they said, okay, that's great. No more writing stuff down. You did it for three weeks. That's fantastic. Good job. High fives. Let's continue on with our study. They did the study for another 12 weeks after that. They came back, and in six months, at the end of the study, they came back, and they found that these people who had been involved in writing down three things a day that they were thankful for, at the end of six months, these people were in a state of... um, They were better off. They were less depressed than the rest of the group. They were more satisfied with life because they had learned how to be thankful. Being thankful is a key in your life to living a fulfilled and satisfied life, to doing all that God has. Listen, have you ever given somebody something and they weren't thankful for it? And you're like, man, and that just, that, that was, took all the fun out of giving that that person. You're like, well, thanks. You basically owed this to me. You're like, what? And then it doesn't, you don't want to give them anything else again, do you? But when somebody, when you give somebody something and they're just like, wow, this is amazing. I'm so grateful for this. I'm so thankful. Thank you for giving this to me. Thank you for like thinking of me. Thank you for taking the time to bring this to me. What happens inside of you? You're like, energized, you feel great about it, this person feels great about it, and they're thankful for it. We have to learn in our lives to be thankful. How do you stop the process? How do you stop the process of comparison? How do you stop the process in your life of being unthankful? How do you stop the process of focusing on all the negative things in your life where all you think about is all the boundaries you have, all the problems you have, all the things you got to face that seem so overwhelming? How do you stop that process? Because honestly, it can be hard, can't it? Because honestly, there's a lot of things. In my life, I'm a very detail-oriented person, and so I constantly have a large checklist in my head of all the things that I have to accomplish and do. And I'm constantly checking things off and I'm constantly adding things to that list. And at times it can be overwhelming because everything has to get done. But how do you live a life where you don't allow those things to overcome you and overwhelm you and you get to a place where you are unthankful? Well, that's a great question, Johnny. I'm so glad you asked. I know you're dying to know the answer. Let's go one, one last passage of scripture here. In 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter Here's the key right here. First Thessalonians chapter 5. This also is our friend, the Apostle Paul, writing, and he says this. Verse 16, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful 
in every circumstance. The answer to the question of how do you not become overwhelmed and inundated with unthankfulness in your life is found in these three verses here. And primarily in verse 17, where it says, pray without ceasing. And that, that ceasing, it really does mean without ceasing. Like you're constantly praying. You're constantly in your mind giving thanks to God. I've, I found myself this morning, and this isn't just because I'm a pastor. This is because I'm a follower of Jesus, and I would encourage you to do this as well. I had a terrible cup of coffee from Starbucks this morning. <laughs> like, it was disgusting. It was, I, I, I was trying to analyze it in my mind, like, what was wrong with this? Like, it was not quite tepid, but it wasn't, like, it, it, it wasn't warm either. It was, like, this weird temperature. This had a weird texture to it, had a weird taste. I was very dissatisfied. And so I left here, and there's a Tim Hortons at the bottom of the hill. I was like, I'm just going to go get Tim Hortons, get a cup of coffee. So I found myself walking out these doors, halfway to the car. I am saying under my breath, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I probably looked like a crazy person, but that's okay. Because we need to be people who are constantly praying, who are constantly giving thanks to God. If you don't know what to give thanks to God for, just begin to raise your hand, just begin to open your mouth, and out of your own heart, out of your own mouth, begin to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And here's what happens. As you begin to do that, you begin to think of things that you're thankful to Jesus for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm alive today. Thank you, Jesus, that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, for my family, that my family loves me. Thank you, Jesus, that I've got gas in my car, that I've got food at home in my fridge. Thank you, Jesus, that I've got clothes on today. Because if I didn't have clothes on today, I'd probably get arrested. So thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And as you begin to give thanks to God, you begin to have your eyes open to more and more in your life that you are thankful to Jesus for. As you begin to become more and more thankful, you begin to glorify God. You can either choose to magnify the problems in your life, to glorify the problems in your life, to think about all the hindrances in your life and become unthankful, or you can choose to begin to thank God and give glory to God and worship God. Thank God I got a new job. Not me, you. Thank God that you opened doors for me that nobody can open. Thank God that you closed doors that, that I shouldn't walk through. That on my, own, on my own accord, I'd walk through doors that I shouldn't walk through. So thank you, Jesus, that you're going before me and that you're preparing the way. That you close those doors that I shouldn't walk through. That you open those doors. Jesus, thank you that you're bringing people into my life that, that I need in my life. Jesus, thank you for the wisdom and the counsel of people that have gone before me. Jesus, thank you that you meet every one of my needs. That you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jesus, thank you that you are my healer. That you are Jehovah Rapha. That you are the God who takes my sicknesses and sins. That by your stripes on the cross, I am the healer, Lord. Jesus, you're so great. I'm just so thankful for for who you are and for all you're doing in my life. Am I alone? You see, I said the key to being thankful in your life is found in verse 17. And I think it really is because I think if you're not constantly living a life of prayer, you will get overwhelmed 
and inundated with the problems of life. But as you are constantly praying in your heart and your spirit, as you are constantly turning your eyes to the Lord, he is constantly reminding you that he is at work on your behalf, that he has gone before you and perfected those things that concern you, that he is making the crooked path straight, that he is your healer, that he's your redeemer, that he's your sanctifier, that he has broken off those walls and those chains, that he is killing, found, that he's killing um, um, addictions in your life, that those things that are happening in your marriage and your family, that he has gone before and he is working on them. And as you begin to give him thanks and as you begin to give him praise, he begins to open your eyes. Actually, what happens is your eyes begin to get open to the truth, right? Because it said in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, they were unthankful. And because they were unthankful, their minds became darkened and confused. And as you begin to give thanks, your eyes become clear and aware of the truth. As you begin to give thanks to God, your eyes, the eyes of your spirit, the eyes of your understanding, your natural eyes, begin to see the truth of who God is and what he has done for you. The Apostle Paul says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in every circumstance, give thanks. Listen, I want to tell you today that in the darkest nights, you can still give thanks. That in the darkest nights of your life, in the worst days of your life, you can still choose to give thanks to God. When you're lying in a hospital bed and they're saying this is really bad, you can still choose to give thanks to God and watch what he does. When your marriage looks like it is on the rocks and it is over, you can still choose to give thanks to God. When the bank calls you and says we're taking your house back, you can't afford this anymore, and you've got to get out in 30 days, you can still choose to give thanks to God and watch and see what he does. Because God is always at work. I want you to stand up with me. And I want to do this. I want to give you an opportunity to thank God. And, um, you know, we talked about faith a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's probably been three weeks ago, four weeks ago now. And we were looking at Mark eleven twenty three. 23. And Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, if you say to this mountain. And one of the things that I talked about was there are times when you have to say things out of your mouth. A lot of times we come to church, we're believers, and we're at home reading our Bible, and we're with our family and friends, and, and we don't want to say things out loud because somebody might hear us, and I might say the wrong prayer, and I might not pray a good prayer, or I might mess up my words, and I'm embarrassed. But Here's what I'm gunning for. Is a church that is full of people that are so thankful for who God is and what God has done in the good days and the bad days that when I say, hey, let's take a minute and just thank God, that I've got to come along later and say, okay, that's enough thanking God. Let's move along. Because we're so thankful for what God has done that we just can't stop. Just like when somebody gives you a gift that you're so thankful for. You know, at Christmas time or on your birthday, somebody gives you something and you just are so excited and you just love it and you can't stop talking about it. We're going to be those kind of Christians. We're going to be that kind of church 
where our eyes are open to who God is to us, to what he's done for us, to what he's doing in us and through us. And so when we say, let's take a minute and just glorify God and give him thanks for all he's done in our life, we're gonna be people that have things that we can say thank you, Jesus, for. Amen. And so we're gonna take a minute, just a minute, and we're gonna begin to thank God. And I want you, out of your own mouth, to begin to thank God. And all this time while I'm talking, I know you're in your mind going, what am I gonna say thank you, Jesus, for? What am I gonna, oh man, he's gonna make us talk, and I don't know what to say thank God for. Well, you take a few minutes and you think about it. And if you can't come up with anything to say, do what I said earlier, and just begin to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I guarantee you, as you begin to say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, he begins to remind you of things that he's done for you that you can actually say, thank you for doing this in my life. Thank you for being this to me. Thank you for working here. Thank you for working over there. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you for breaking off those chains. Thank you for my healing. Amen. So let's take... Let's take a whopping, let's start, guys, let's be crazy, and let's start with 30 seconds. And listen, I want the church next door to hear us. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.